0: C-Jam 99.1 FM, broadcasting locally in Waiwaiyongatanong, Windsor, Detroit. Into the world at cjam.ca.
1: Disability
2: Studies Students Association is a small and tight-knit community of people who are passionate about and committed to representing and supporting disability studies students at the University of Windsor. The DSSA holds events on campus and in the community, like the annual Down Syndrome Day Walk, to raise
3: funds for supporting organizations. If you would like to get involved or learn more, you can contact the Disability Studies Student Association directly at dssa at
2: uwindsor.ca.
1: reconcile myself within this oral history because that's what I was surrounded by but that's not me these are not my experiences these are the things that have uh sort of like filtered through my life in a lot of ways I think these are just the stories that I hold dear and you know a, a big part of it is more so just like situating myself within that context
0: October 31st, 2022 marks the one-year anniversary of Where the Orange Grows Grow, the debut album of Windsor, composer, musician, the guitarist, and friend, Belal year. My name is Weizhu, and each week here on Absent Sounds, my twin sister Weidi and I take two albums from bands we love and time to the stories behind them. And sometimes we're fortunate enough to be joined with the artists themselves. Today we have Bilal. Hi, Bilal.
1: Hey, sorry, my mouth is kind of full, but. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm eating a
0: tangerine. <laughs> this is actually ASMR.
1: What up? Thanks for having me. I'm really stoked.
0: <laughs> Thank you for being here. Okay. What are you eating?
1: That's the, that's the first a question. It's a tangerine, I think, or a mandarin. Some kind of small citrus
0: how fitting for
1: oh my god i'm the orange guy now i guess
0: you are it's your it's actually a trademark right on
1: yeah that's what i've done and uh i'm gonna have to live with that forever just the orange man (laughs) the orange the other orange man i don't mean the the one um my day's been okay i just woke up been having some coffee and just starting to work on some stuff eating some some tangerines yeah nothing too eventful yeah
0: well, that sounds chill. Um And I guess because it's nearing the end of the year, I've like started asking people this question and I hope it doesn't produce anxiety in you. But if you had to pick one thing between now and December that you want to finish, what would it be? Oh,
1: that's a good question, because this is going to get on like, I guess, help hold myself accountable if I say yeah I
0: will I will come back and ask you I'm not even kidding
1: okay good I I actually need that I've I've started demoing some new material spoiler I guess I'm announcing that but um and I really need to get it done and my goal has been to like pretty much get it done this fall so probably by the end of the year I want to have like a lot of new material just tracked on my crappy setup at home but yeah it's very much an accountability thing
0: have you been working on these like for a long time, or is it just stuff that you've done recently?
1: Um, I guess like pretty much since I released Where the Orange Groves Grow, I've been like I pretty much hit the ground running, and I was like, okay, I want to do another album. I want it to be better. I want to fix this, this, and this about the other one, and just do it over and do it all over again, but do it better and okay, grand, I guess. So I've been writing basically okay. for the more more or less a year now, and. I'd say I'm, like, 70% there in terms of a new project.
0: Whoa. Okay. I will, I'm going to dive back into that because I am curious about it. I mean, um, to start off, Weedy and I usually like to, like, get a background on the artist and kind of make a little bit of a, I don't know, give a a good frame for people who aren't familiar with you. So could you start off by telling me about, like, I guess your musical journey, how you got started, when you first started in music? Mm-hmm. Everything from the very beginning, from childhood, from birth. <laughs> from birth. Well, yeah. um,
1: you know, my heartbeat going at 60 beats per minute. That's kind of rhythmic, I guess. No, I'm uh, playing guitar when I was like around 10. I got like my first guitar for my 10th birthday. And uh, my mom like was like a classically trained pianist. So she insisted that I go into like classical guitar lessons. And I studied with this guy, Mike McNamara, who's now, like, teaching at the University of Windsor. He's he's awesome, honestly. Really big, uh, important part of my, my early musical journey. And honestly, I didn't care for it at first. It was one of those things where I was, like, a little kid and I didn't want to practice and sit there and learn Bach and Mozart. But in hindsight, I'm very glad that I did because that has very much come full circle. And I love that stuff now. But I guess, like, around... You know, grade 7, grade 8, I started getting into, like, punk and emo and stuff like that. Like, I was listening to, like, and Jazz, Snow Wing, Blink, like, you know, all, of, like, the 90s stuff. And, uh, expensive. yeah, and then I was like, oh, well, I could play guitar. Like, this is just you know the same thing I'm doing it just not on you know a classical guitar or whatever and uh you know was just obsessed with music all through high school and really into like punk and hardcore and emo and uh when I came to figure out I guess what I wanted to do with my life I was like okay well I'm kind of good at classical guitar I could do that and I don't know what I want to do but for now maybe I'll just go get really good at guitar and figure it out so i thought i was going to be like a lawyer or go into like poli sci or something like i actually got into school for poli sci and environmental if i could hide yeah literally i there's a poli sci kid in all of us um so that was kind of the plan but then i was like you know what i just want to play guitar and at that point i started getting really into like i guess the like 20th century classical repertoire and I feel like there's so much in that and uh, at the same time not letting go of like I guess my more emo and like hardcore roots and I'd say like you know I went through music school studied with this guy William Beauvais who's like an amazing uh, creator and just like I know like when you say you went to classical music school like pe- there's a lot of connotation and, and, and baggage to that. But this guy was like this cool pagan anarchist dude who just like pushed me in the total opposite direction of what you'd expect and was like, no, just like write your own music and be creative and, you know, just don't try to be the best Bach or Mozart interpreter. Try to be the best like Bilal you can be. That is great advice. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I finished school, my degree got cut off by the pandemic, and then at that point I just started writing, and I guess this would have been like early 2020, and that became uh, my debut album, Where the Orange Grows Grow. That's kind of where I've been since then. We put it out uh, basically a year ago, and I've been trying to tour a bit and just play shows and, uh, yeah, writing new material and all that.
0: Congratulations. Congratulations! Cheers to.
1: Thanks so much. Cheers to that. <laughs> Feels weird. It's been a long <laughs> year.
0: I guess it's always kind of like, oh, there's something I would tweak or like change it out of the album. But do you feel like you're happy with how it is, or do you have like regrets about anything about the album? Mm.
1: That's, that's that's an interesting question for me because there certainly are things that, like there's this or that little thing that, or even some major things for sure. I don't want to get too specific. Yeah. Uh, that, because I could go on forever, that I changed for sure in terms of, I feel like some of the pieces I could have had a little better under my hands. And, you know, maybe the performances could have been a little stronger in some aspects. I think there are some things that, Uh, going into the studio could have been more thought out and not just figuring out in the moment. But in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, while I have those feelings, this album is what it needed to be. And for me, it was because I was very, like, um, insecure about songwriting and about composition for like a really long time. Like, I've been playing guitar and studying classical guitar for so long, but it took me a really long time to build up that courage to actually uh, try to see a project through to the end and release it and promote it and believe in it in that way. So for me, like, just creating an album at all was what I needed at that stage in my career. So while there are things that I certainly would have done different going back or things that I would, you know, there's always that feeling of like, oh, this could be better, you know, Um, just beating yourself up. I I think that the album like kind of launched where I'm at now and was like a statement of like here I am here's what I'm trying to do it's different in a lot of ways and uh yeah I'm I'm not worried about that one being good at all I'm worried about the next one being good because now it's like there's no excuse I've done an album before I don't okay. know was rambly but that's kind of my scattered no, no. thoughts
0: yeah I mean obviously you'd have insecurities or fears but it's just weird to hear you say that um And I'm kind of curious if there was any, like, do you know what the root would be of those fears? Or, like, if you had to dig down to the base of the insecurity? I what think it would there's be? a
1: lot of, a lot of, like, multifaceted reasons. Like, one, having to do with just the way that, like, classical academia is. It's very yeah. non-conducive towards creativity. And there's almost this, I don't think it's something that, like, teachers consciously do. Like, hey, don't be creative. Like, there's this kind of, like, version in people's heads right of what this world looks like inside of classical music and it's yeah. very exaggerated it's very like no yeah,
0: that was literally one of my questions too i was like the way you seem like you kind of present yourself in like emo you got a lot of like things going on kind of almost seems like it contradicts with classical
1: yeah I, it depends like what part of classical we're talking about i guess but i think like for the for the sake of this question and we could get to that for sure okay, in no, a yeah, sec yeah. <laughs> but for the sake of this question like i think that there's this feeling that's instilled in classical students because you're learning like the canonical repertoire going back hundreds and hundreds of years and these people like bach mozart beethoven whatever they're put on a pedestal to such an extent that it's like i feel like it's understandable that a lot of students would be like why would i write my own music when i'm supposed to be playing this i think that was part of it Another part of it was, I mean, I was at, you know, I tr- attempted to start a band in high school and like kind of just like failed as a songwriter in terms of that. Like I was like 15 or 16 and it didn't go the way I wanted. And then also just like generally, uh, you know, stuff I had to work through in my own life in terms of being able to put myself out there. So I think it was a combination and it was coming at me from multiple angles But what I needed to do was just spend a couple years just kind of being garbage and writing and just enjoying writing for its own sake and not worrying about it being good. Like I think composition and songwriting are very much quantitative processes. I don't think uh, someone should worry about quality at all at first. I think it's just uh, getting the ball rolling and learning how to generate ideas and just generating as many ideas as you possibly can. And I think that holds up like... Someone told me, like, this This composer told me once that, like, historians have, this is a total tangent, but had looked no, at Beethoven's, uh, you know, who's regarded as, like, the greatest composer, have looked at his sketchbooks, and it was all garbage. <laughs> it was more often than not garbage, like, objectively bad material, but he just kept going until he had one idea that was decent. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of powerful, because you don't have to be good, you just have to do it a lot, and you have to do it all the freaking time. Until you just have a decent idea and then taste is just knowing which idea is good or not and what to develop. And that's very much what it was for me. Like, it'd be funny to put out some of, like, my earlier demos one day just to show, like, hey, I was trash at this for a really long time. And really until, like, the first piece of Where the Orange Groves Grow that I wrote, uh, which is called Exiles in Orange Groves, that was, like, I think the first piece of music I wrote that was half-decent and even that I think there are things that uh, could have been stronger in terms of that material so that's, that's my long winded uh, tangent about that
0: in general, do you consider yourself, like, an overly political person? I'd say, like, in in a lot of ways,
1: but Mm -hmm. that's kind of part of the album also, is, like, reconciling to what extent I'm a... uh, There's there's this Trotsky quote, I can't believe I'm quoting Trotsky here, but it's, like, you might not be interested in war, but war is interested in you. And I think that's a, a powerful quote in terms of, like, talking about something like identity where it's like to what extent are we plugging ourselves into these things or to what extent are they plugged into us like and that's part of the album for sure is like to what extent is my identity politicized versus to what extent am I actually wanting to engage in these things and i guess that's something i'm grappling with so it's it's political in a sense but it's also just like when i write there's automatically that filter that it's going through even when i'm not trying to consciously be political so like i guess in in short like yes i'm a deeply political person it's how i was raised i've been going to rallies and stuff since i was like a little little kid and you know i always had the news on at home and stuff and yeah it's funny because like i haven't watched the news in months i'm very detached from it right now but particularly in the time of writing this album i was like because a lot of stuff was going on in terms of that as well. Like I was writing an album which references like Palestinian literature and exile narrative. And there was a uh, basically a,
0: you know, a bombing
1: going on at that time. And that was a big part of it as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of find it interesting that, wow. you know, your album kind of even talks about the oral history of your family. Do you think you could share a little bit about that as well? Hmm.
1: I guess that's part of, where I guess like sort of the motifs come from in terms of like orange groves. Like most of my family is from, uh, well, they ended up in Ramallah, the West Bank and, and Palestine. And, uh, that's not where they were originally from. Like they were displaced like all over the place and all of that. And, you know, while my family's been here, like basically since like the seventies, like I grew up around and immersed in these types of stories, you know, it was very close with my extended family and like, Pretty much everyone is either the descendant of a refugee or was a refugee at some point themselves. Um, And one of the common things, like, that people would invoke, which I thought was really interesting, was just, like, reminiscing on, like, orange trees and orange groves and things like that. Another big one is, like, olives, but I thought that (sighs) olives were too on the nose. Um, But I was just, like, an orange man, like... When you see an orange, it's just an orange. But for a lot of people, that's like a symbol of literally their home and their identity in this place that they haven't been to or can't go back to in a lot of cases. And you know that those were just the stories I heard. And then I started reading, uh, particularly Gassan Kanafani, he's a famous uh, Palestinian writer and activist. He was murdered in like the 70s. Um, but he has a book called The Land of the Sad Oranges. And when I read that, I was like, okay, this is here too. And then I kept reading and it's everywhere it's in Darwish I think it's in Said I might be remembering that wrong um like all these you know it's everywhere like and I'm like why oranges like that's really weird it's it's an orange and part of it is like I like that it's cheesy I like that it's cheesy cuz it's just there um <laughs> but yeah and that's I guess I just held on to that and that's where the first piece came from is I tr- I tried to shape the piece like a memory like, it's very clear at first, and then it kind of disassembles and becomes more and more, uh, I guess, like, detached and all over the place, and it kind of just fades away. And yeah. I guess that's where the genesis of the album starts with. I Honestly, I forget the beginning of what we were talking about right now. but
0: um, <sighs> Oh, your oral history, that was what it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, oral history. Yeah, that's pretty much where it comes from and I guess is that's what started it and then it became more about how do I reconcile myself within this oral history because that's what I was surrounded by but that's not me these aren't my experiences these are the things that have uh sort of like filtered through my life in a lot of ways
0: yeah um that was that was something that under resonated with me too with about like the, the things that were surrounding the album and I kind of like for myself, I know I have, usually have this, like, inner conflict of, like, I know it's not my story to tell because I'm not, the, like, I'm a first-generation immigrant. Like, I didn't live through those experiences. Um, but at the same time, it feels like you have a responsibility sometimes or, like, it's, like, you have, you can't just, like, I mean, it's, it's, it is, like, a part of you. And even if it's just a fragmented part, it is something. So I guess I was... I don't know if you've come to terms or you've found a, a middle ground or you've found somewhere to rest on. Mm. No, what, how you just put it, I feel like is
1: more eloquent than what I was saying, because that's that's very much it, is, is that feeling of like, okay, this isn't mine, but like, what feels worse, like disengaging with it or engaging with it, even though it's not yours. And I, I'm more on the side of like, neutrality is apathy, And that's just like, I guess, like the punk roots, (laughs) you know, grew up listening to that. And it's all, you know, there's so many cheesy lyrics from like, a lot of bands about that stuff. And yeah, I was, uh, um, whether I've come to terms with it, I mean, I think it's always going to be like a working thing. And I don't think I'm ever going to have feelings of like, total uh, disassociation. I don't think I can... I don't think I have it in me to do that. And I also just don't think it's the right thing for who I am. So I can't yeah. speak in terms of, like, what is objectively right and wrong. Because, like, you know, people have to navigate their own lives and what's happening there. But for me, like, I can't detach.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel pressure by any, like, external or is it all internal?
1: See it's mostly internal. I've never been pushed in any particular direction. Mm-hmm. It's more just been, like, around... And I've chosen to. Like, no, really, very few other people in, in my family, like, are particularly active or engaged in a lot of these things, outside of, like, my parents. Yeah. And uh, a few other, like, cousins and stuff. Like, most of my cousins, like, my age, for instance, like, don't really care.
2: J.A.M. 99.1 FM, now reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. One come all Cakeface Mobile Artistry Is teaming up with One Day Dreams To throw an absolutely wicked 90's prom rewind It will be happening At the Chelsea Music Hall On Saturday, November 12 From 6pm To 1am the next day Tickets are $43.45 With a portion of ticket sales Going to the local charity One Day Dreams Anyone can come. The prom will have 90s music, decor, glow sticks, a Polaroid photo booth, and of course, a prom king and queen. This prom will even feature the one and only Strike Tyson Band. It is definitely an event you don't want to miss. Feel free to dress however you want, but the more 90s, the better. You can find the link to buy tickets on the Cake Face Facebook page. Search for Cake Face Mobile Makeup and Hair Artistry on Facebook. Again, that is Cake Face Mobile Makeup and Hair Artistry to buy tickets for the November 12, 90s prom event. We hope to see you there.
0: You are currently listening to Absent Sounds here on CGM 99.1 FM. My name is Wee and almost exactly a year ago, Bilal Nasir released Where the Orange Groves Grow. He is a prolific musician, composer, guitarist based here in Windsor. The track currently playing comes off of that record. And it's called Exiles in Orange Groves. The rest of the interview is coming up now. We're gonna now we're gonna do like a little bit of a track by track and go through exactly everything in the album. So we'll start with from Ancient Moons, and I we already kind of touched on some of the stuff as well. So it might be redundant, but I'm still gonna I'm gonna still go there. Um, there is a poem, the one... I don't want to butcher the name. I'm sorry. It's Ahmed Al Arabi. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a... Okay. That's uh There's a piece of music, an album called... Oh, Ahmed it's an Al-Arabi. album? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, well, it's by a poet and uh, a famous Oud player, uh, Darwish and Khalifa And that's, like, a... It's a phenomenal album. Uh, but... Yeah, there's a track on that called "Ahmed Emerges from the Ancient Wounds," and like, honestly, a big part of it was just I thought that was a really cool title, okay. really, really evocative, but also yeah. it's, it's a really haunting piece of music. <laughs>
2: And
1: I guess I want to Do you remember to...
0: your first encounter with it?
1: Yeah, um, a friend of mine sent me it Not that long ago before I started writing that piece Like I knew I wanted to write another piece And When I heard that, I was like, okay, well, this is a starting point. And for me, like, any entry point is a good entry point. I don't believe in, like, oh, it has to be done this way. Like, there's no purity to it. Just whatever can get you started writing is a good way to start writing. And that was something that I was just learning how to do, like, how to start writing at
2: all.
1: So I started writing that piece And I guess I wanted to sort of recreate Some of those feelings But then it just became its own thing And the title kind of stuck So it's it's almost like a mirror of orange groves In a lot of ways Like it's very disassembled (laughs) the whole time And a lot more dissonant A lot more chaotic And I guess, like, violent in some ways, whereas Orange Groves is, like, more floaty. But those are, like... I think I wrote that one immediately after Exiles. So it's, like... They're kind of, like, twins in a way, and they reflect each other.
2: Do you see
0: your personality reflected in that, too? Like, do you feel... Do you have like dissonance fragmentations? I don't know. Mm. I
1: think so in a lot of ways. I I don't know if I like consciously try to channel aspects of me in in the writing. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like automatic, and the message is often revealed in hindsight. So it's like I know like a lot of the stuff seems really thought out, and like oh it know, I was meticulously planning everything like from the top down and in a lot of ways I'm a very top down writer but it was uh no a lot of it like I just write and I kind of have a working relationship with these things as they revolve or as they evolve and you know I might have like some idea of what it is going to be in from the outset but I think that it's important for the goalpost to also move. Like if I'm aiming for a certain target with a piece and I'm like, I want to write about this. If the goalpost doesn't shift in some way, then it means I haven't grown through the process of actually writing that. And I haven't really learned anything. And I think that that, that's very important to have like that working relationship and for things to change and for me to feel differently about what the piece is at all.
0: Is that process the same that's going on right now for your demos and the things that you're working on? Is the goalpost shifting then?
1: Absolutely. I had a lot of stupid ideas for sure. Oh. Like the amount of ideas I've had, just like random voice notes on my phone, like I have thousands at this point. Um, and Will they ever the most, come
0: to light or are you just going to bury them
1: forever? Uh, I don't know. I, th- a lot of them are like kind of incomprehensible. Like it's not like it's I don't know what people imagine with that. Like <laughs> my voice notes aren't like good <laughs> it's just you like an idea that... that i could hardly play because it takes me a really long time to be able to play anything so i have like crappy run-throughs of some of the pieces i guess there's some decent stuff in there but it takes me so long to be able to play one of these pieces that like the process before that almost all sounds
0: really really bad okay that's interesting because um there was like some that you took out of the record like before you released it was it were they like I don't remember exactly what you mentioned about it, but I think they were like a little bit more emo sounded, funky punky, that you like replaced out of the album before you released it. Am I th- getting this wrong? Hold on. Yeah,
1: no, that is right. Okay. I was like, was that in the band camp? I don't remember. right <laughs> yeah. But there were. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a song that was like more post hardcore, but that had like a ukulele in it. Where is it? I don't know. I just never, oh I never put it out for whatever reason. I felt like. Like there were maybe two or three, I think three. No, no, no. There were four other pieces that we had like recorded but not really finished, not really mixed that well or anything that we just didn't end up releasing. And the big reason is like, I'm very much of the opinion that if something doesn't have to be there, if it's not integral, then get rid of it. Like I want the most consolidated strongest piece of material even if it's less material so like the record is 38 minutes it could have been like almost 50 minutes but i don't think that would have strengthened the record i think it actually would have weakened it in a lot of ways so I'm, I'm very like particular about what ends up in the final product so there there are those pieces maybe they'll see light one day i'm sure there's stuff on like my instagram too like just random pieces that people are like huh this I you know if you go back far enough there's stuff on there that probably
0: like um sound unfamiliar. Most of the other stuff okay. is like familiar stuff. Um the last thing I wanted to ask you about from ancient wounds before I go to the next track was if there's any like specific um I don't know pieces of trauma that you feel like you're still working through whether it's like generational trauma or I don't know if there's like
1: hmm. um I don't know if I could pinpoint to something specific in in a lot of ways. I think it's more just atmospheric it's more just yeah because i don't want to like act like this stuff has you know affected me in some like profound way i'm like oh like this is my stuff that i'm dealing with like no it's it's more just like people around me and
0: but in a way that's like that also counts too i guess i don't know yeah maybe not in the same way but
1: no i know what you're saying for sure i'm not sure in terms of like something specific i could point to but i think just uh Yeah, I think these are just the stories that I hold dear and, you know, a, a big part of it is more so just, like, situating myself within that context, right? Yeah. I guess what that means for me is more so wanting to, you know, just defend these communities because I know what they've been through, particularly in a country like Canada, which is, like, frankly, extremely racist and Islamophobic and... Is like actively aiding and abetting uh this type of suffering, so it's it's more so just that like you know being a, a lifelong critic of like imperialism. So it, it's I guess that's where it becomes less personal and where it becomes more just like objective rather than subjective.
0: Yeah, is there a finish line?
1: Is there a finish is, line?
0: Is there a finish line?
1: Hmm. I don't know. I think a finish line would be like, I <laughs> know it sounds utopian at the moment, but like a finish line would be like, you know, an an end to apartheid in the Middle East, for sure. Or at least yeah. maybe that'd be a starting no, point. No, no, it is
0: like a It's not capitalism. It's like, it's
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, That's the finish line.
0: The world, the collapse of modern history.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Return to monk is the uh, <laughs> yeah. finish line. But no, like in in a very real sense, I think that like um, a finish line is is liberation, and that isn't something that we should like scoff at or see as like naive in a lot of ways. I think it's something that we have to take seriously if we want to like we just need to be serious about it.
0: It does feel lofty sometimes, but I don't know it feels be... far off, yeah, but if yeah. we
1: if we don't have that i guess like maximal program in mind, then we have no sense of direction.
0: gonna i'm gonna push ahead to the next track which was every day is exactly the same and um i'm kind of curious if if there's a specific perpetual day that you were referring referring to what was the every day like
1: right this is a cringy answer because it's like it's kind of a COVID song (laughs) i knew it it's kind of a COVID song well actually when did i write that i might have written it before I could find out exactly when I wrote that song. I'm, like, <laughs> opening my cuz I posted on Insta and this one's funny because like a lot of these pieces take me like a month or two to write like in the minimum like that's to get like a rough draft cuz I'm I'm just a very slow writer. That's slow? Yeah. Well, like, compared to some people I know who could like just bust out a piece like that. I wrote this piece January 7th, 2021. So yeah, it was during COVID. And mm. uh At the time, I was just like, I don't know, it was it was COVID, you know, like, I don't want to just do the typical COVID interview that, you know, it's like you ask any artist, what have you been up to during COVID? That type of thing. Yeah, I was just going for walks every single day around my neighborhood. I'd go for two, three walks a day, the same route, like, oh, really walking, listening to music, listening to podcasts. And uh, I wrote that song in like one afternoon. I think it was like the very beginning of the year. It was like early January. Mm-hmm. Um it was the first thing I'd written in 2021. And uh it's funny cuz like I spend all this time like I was saying like writing these like huge works and then I write that one it's one minute. I wrote it in an afternoon and people that's the one that people end up liking and I'm like I'm like okay <laughs> yeah like are you kidding me? <laughs> Not the one that you know was like a huge endeavor.
0: No, yeah. Well, I feel this in a weird, in a it's a bit of like an adjacent, because I don't play music, but it's kind of more of an art thing, you know, where it's like, the thing that takes you like, the, you just whip it out like you do it so fast, and then people feel drawn to that one, and you're like, you. I don't know if it's invalidating, or maybe it makes you feel like you're fake, I'm a scammer, like, oh my gosh, I only spent three minutes on this, so it, it can't be good. Hurt. Yeah,
1: and when, when you were saying that, I was just, I don't know, maybe I came to a realization of like, I feel like that's the realist art, is when it just comes out of you like in the moment. Yeah. Like that's just like really being in, an artist and not having to even bother like writing it down or working anything out. It just, cause if it's good, it good. It's good. How it sounds is what justifies it. Not the amount of like blood, sweat and tears that goes into it. And that's maybe just a very romantic idea to just think like, Oh, I spent so much on this piece and it took so long. And I was smashing my head against the desk trying to write it. And it's like, Well, no, maybe the one that you wrote in one minute is just better.
0: When you say that out loud, yeah, it definitely hits. Like, I think
1: back to, like, I think my cat's outside wanting to come in. But anyway, I'll let him wait. Um, Let him in. Okay, I'll let him in. He's going to come in for one second, though, then he's going to leave. Okay. Watch, he's coming in, he's going to look around, then he's out. Anyway, as I was saying, like, it's like jazz, right? Like... I don't know I think about that and that's like the the purest creation of art it's not something I can do I'm not like a very good improviser but to just create pieces of music in the moment Mm -hmm. I think there's something to that and there's probably a sense of ecstasy in especially doing that live that like I really envy I try to do some stuff like that live but like composed music is just so different because it's like you're writing a story versus just getting up there and freestyling something. So it's it's the opposite of what I'm used to and maybe that's where the discomfort comes from, but um like to write something quick rather than everything planned out in this very, you know, ordained way. Preordained rather. And
0: yeah, and I guess now that well now that you mentioned like playing live, um being fortunate enough to have seen you play at least one time in the full start to finish sometimes it seems like you're being like not tra- i don't know if it's transported or transfigurated somewhere else but it kind of seems like you're uh are you conscious of the people that you're playing for
1: mm. um when they're heckling me and when we're talking oh. yes but no i i see what you mean like i i kind of zone out like while i'm playing the pieces but then there are these moments and this is why I don't like playing in like concert halls or anything anymore is because like, mm-hmm. that's always a very still attentive audience where like their job is to shut up and wait for you to make a mistake and then judge you after like it's that's the feeling versus like the show that you were at at free times cafe in Toronto with uh, modern Mason and Simon Farintosh just to throw their names out there. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was telling the crowd like, hey, you guys could talk you could talk to me like you don't have to be quiet. This isn't that this isn't a concert hall. This isn't performing in like a classical concert in a church. And uh, I feel like there's more connection when we have that back and forth with the audience. It's just getting it because people's expectations are, okay, this is quiet music. It's intimate music. I should be quiet. And it's like, no, yell at me. Like my favorite moment ever was like at uh, my album release concert in Windsor almost a year ago on on Halloween a year ago or maybe whatever, whenever it was. Um, I made a huge mistake and then I start laughing at myself because I missed this harmonic after this like monstrous part. And the audience is just like, oh, the harmonic, you missed it. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And it's, it was hilarious. (laughs) And then, you know, during the encore after, like I was playing this piece that's like really droney and stuff. And I hear people like, they've never heard this music before, but they're like trying to sing along to it. And that was the best. That was the best feeling I've ever had on stage. Like I, that's what I want, not... Like I want an actual back and forth and connection to the audience, not them, not feeling like I'm playing to a brick wall. Yeah. But at the same time, like I do tend to zone out, so it's kind of a <laughs> thing. I don't know. I just get in my own world, I guess. But there are moments where I come back.
0: How was the How was the Halloween show for you? The one that happened a few days ago?
1: That was awesome with uh with Bitters and Meander Green. Mm-hmm. Um, I played as Waluigi, but I'm Luigi, so I had, like, a B <sighs> okay. on, my, on my hat, yeah. Was- I
0: did see one, I, see a- I saw a picture, it was...
1: <laughs> yeah, it was really cringe. <laughs> okay, that was great. <laughs> no, it was a fun show, um, yeah, that, I guess that's more so, like, the type of stuff I am after, is, like, just playing for friends and it feeling like I'm playing for friends, like, actually talking to them, like, people were, like, i don't know my uh, nick from Meandergreen green was like showing me memes while i was trying to play just coming right up to me and i'm like dude okay. but it was hilarious it was great like maybe not for the other audience members but for <laughs> me and him that was a cool connection <laughs> like just trying to make it as unprofessional as possible for sure they also started moshing like immediately like the first note <laughs> i played people are knocking each other over and I'm like this is that is it that's what I need." <laughs> yeah.
0: we reach the feet that's you can only go up from there exactly or down
1: <laughs> yeah down down <sighs> is up yeah uh... tremors is the is the weirdest one for sure
0: okay
1: that is by far the weirdest one that one um uh, that one's i guess the most literal in a way like it was about uh like i was trying to just recreate a feeling of like um this protest i went to at york university in 2019 that like ended with like former supreme court judges having to come in and like mediate the situation because it was like it was really really messed up um like people got like concussed and stuff it was like it was a really intense moment and I lived at York because uh, that's where I went to school I-, I lived there for several years that was my home and then um basically like the the IDF was like invited to campus to speak and all us like Arab kids were just like what the hell like not not gonna happen uh it's also illegal to co- recruit For a foreign military to recruit in canada but they were trying to do that so it was like okay why is this okay um so we had this like pretty massive protest and it got pretty heated the there were like um like the jdl was there which is like a registered terrorist organization in the states and they were like knocking people out it was really intense i just remember like and it was in this big hall in york like you have to have gone to york to kind of like picture it but it's this giant like rotunda it's very echoey and there's you know just screaming in there and i was trying to recreate that in a way so the first half i guess is like the anticipation in terms of tremors and the second half is the violence and i guess that's it and all the rhythms there in that piece are, like, derived from, like, Arabic rhythmic vocabulary. And that's because people were, like, blaring Arabic music and, like, slamming against the wall to the beat. So I was trying to create that, like, booming sensation. And then the screaming into the guitar and stuff is... Yeah, that was just, I guess, uh, a nice touch as well.
0: Yeah. Who did you torture for that?
1: Who did I torture? That was all me.
0: Yeah. Oh, really? How do you... How do you... (laughs)
1: How did I scream? Yeah. <laughs> I could be loud. I know I, I see him soft smoking, but... Yeah, it was weird. I think, like, Jaden, who recorded the... Who produced the album, along with Nate um, Blackton. Do you know Nate?
0: No, I've never heard of him. Sorry. I feel
1: like you guys would hit it off. But uh, they said I sounded like Sammy Classic Sonic fan. <laughs> I don't know if you know that video. I am not familiar. Okay, I'll send it to you after. For, if anyone's listening. <laughs> if anyone's listening. <laughs> it's this little kid shrieking about video games. And it's really cringey. Like, it's a cringe video. But they said that by screams. sounded like. It sounded like. I was like, great. Yeah, I was like, it definitely, it
0: gave like, kid being tortured about video games vibes.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much, it's all about gaming. Like, gamers rise yeah. up. That was the, what the protest was about. <laughs> I that's that's what the piece ended up, I guess, trying to capture. And I don't know if it's in on the band camp or if I talk about it on that, but like that's pretty much mm-hmm.
0: the, the vibe. I don't know if it was a coincidence, but like at the same time there was this there was a quote that I read. Well not that I read, but I heard by Krista Tippett, who was talking about like the long quiet before like an event happens. Was there always like this weird tension that I don't know. Students at York felt because I know Windsor had that thing with the frat house. That was what it was, you know. Like Windsor had that. That was kind of their incident. Um, but oh, York, I remember that,
1: and yeah, my friends
0: listening will remember that.
1: Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, I can't. I can't. Expose, no, 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 you funny. know what I'm referring to? Yes, I do. Yeah, you talk about that? I, I, for legal reasons, I can't expose myself. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that in. I don't care. I'm proud.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> you're gonna end up in jail because of this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to jail.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I remember that for sure. That was disgusting, and like these moments like that are just like moments of reckoning for sure. That just reveal the, I guess like the Hegelian notion of necessity expressed through accident. Things that are always there. It's not about these yeah, individual yeah. happenings. It's about the process underneath. And like these are just revealing. They're examples of the wider process.
2: Okay, it's five twenty-six. This is C Jam, the jamming one. Good morning.
4: This is Campus Close Up.
2: It is Daybreak and Dixie time again.
4: And good afternoon to you. I'm Judy Adams.
2: 3.02 in the afternoon, you're listening to C-JAM. All requests Saturdays, 12 hours of requests. Welcome back to Cowboys and Indies. Best of the British Indie scene. space
3: trucking with Julian here all the way till 10 p.m.
2: This is the Circa Program on C-JAM.
3: I'm DJ Me, and this is Productive Confusion.
2: The Junkad, Jump gou, 50s rock and roll radio show. You are tuned
3: into Girly So Groovy. You're listening to The Night Train. You're listening to C-Jam 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit for over 30 years.
1: Brain injury is the leading killer and disabler of people under the age of 44 and kills more people under the age of 20 than any other causes combined. Texting or talking on a cell phone while operating a motorized vehicle can lead to serious car crashes, brain injuries, or death. Take the pledge and help put a stop to distracted driving. Go to leavethephonealone.ca to make a pledge to drive only and never text. Everyone deserves to travel on our roads and communities without the fear of a distracted driver.
0: You're currently tuned into and Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM. My name's is and if you're not familiar with and Sounds, each week Weedy and I take two albums from bands and artists we love and dive into the stories about them. If you couldn't guess, we've been playing through Bilal Masir's 2021 record, Where the Orange Groves Grow. And as a treat, have him on our show today for an interview. If you're just tuning in right now, you are currently listening to track number three, which is Departures and my personal favorite. We're going now to Exiles and Orange rooms. Um, You mentioned that ideas of distance, memory, and loss that you explore throughout the project, but I guess specifically in these this, this piece. Um, and, and I was kind of wondering when I read that if there was something that you lost, whether it was a part of you or maybe something like literal that you were re- referencing there.
1: No, I think it, this was sort of the, kind of going back to what we were talking about, about like oral history and narrative and stuff. Um so it's less personal, I'd say. I say like okay. not to jump ahead to in between, but that's that's my version of it. That's from my point of view. Exiles is the objective point of view, okay. I guess. Um so just trying to tell these stories as an impartial third person.
0: How is it received by your family?
1: They they like that piece for sure. They're pretty proud of the album I think overall like more so just because like oh my kid made an album but (laughs) honestly like I don't think I've had like in-depth conversations with them about like the thematic material like I'm sure they've read the program notes and stuff but it was very much done without like supervision in that way like I didn't have to justify anything to anyone even though like I was kind of writing about other people like I kind of just did it and it was like sucks like this is what I'm doing this is what the art is going to be and uh you know so i guess i'm like appropriating my family's experiences Yeah, oh, wow. it's totally co-opted them but no they're cool with it
0: well then we'll just jump right into in between um this one like i you did not include the lyrics so i transcribed your lyrics for you <laughs> and i'm gonna read them back out to you oh, <laughs> You're my going to explain. i
1: haven't <laughs> listened to this song since we were in the studio
0: I wasn't sure if I got them right, but you can help me out here. I might not um, remember, honestly. Really? Okay. Well, then I'm just going to assume I'm correct. It probably sucks. Lately, I I see the world in grayscales. I've had a hard time separating what's important from the sad normal. No, I don't know if I said that right. Yeah, that is correct. Okay, okay. <laughs> where, is that, where is that out of?
1: Where is that out of? Um, yeah. I think I wrote this on one of my one Of my walks, and I don't know, I feel like it's just a depression <laughs> statement, <laughs> okay. just like, Hey, I'm going through some things. <laughs> so, but separating what's important from the sad normal, I guess it's just like the feelings of gaslighting that could happen from like the world around you for sure. Like, what is actually happening?
0: Yeah, I read somewhere once that there's like, We're gonna look back at 2020, the start of it, and like the years that came out of. That, you know, as, as like a collective trauma or like collective grief. And uh, it's weird because like, I hate that this is a COVID
1: album. Because <laughs> like the objective circumstances that I was writing this in, whether I liked it or not, were going to filter through and influence the music. I just hate that it's like, oh, it's a COVID album and we have to talk about COVID and stuff. But because um, it's not really what the song's about. The song is more about looking back at, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or if I'm ruining your your prompt.
0: Oh no, go go for it. Okay,
1: but like. I'll just mute you. Okay, do it. (laughs) What I'm saying doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the, the, the piece is about kind of the narratives and everything I'm talking about in the album. Like, that's, the rest of the album's more from an objective point of view, and it's about other people's stuff. This is about me situating myself within that. I'm in between. Like what we were talking about earlier is there's a choice or an obligation. Is this something that I'm actually interested in or is interested in me? Well this is me sitting in between those two fields and being like, okay, wait a sec. What do I actually want? To what extent do I actually have a choice in this? And that terrifies me, you know?
0: Not having a choice or having to make the choice?
1: Both. Like, do I have a choice and A, what is the decision?
3: Lately I see the world in grayscale. I've had a hard time separating what's important from the sad normal. I sold my eyes long ago. Now I only know what's off up with the world. And at times I forgot all my friends are always on my side. But really it's just nice to have company as things fall apart. speak even with nothing to say, just to hear my voice, just to have a voice, but when I look down and see the teeth marks still on my wrist, once again I begin to feel a disconnect between the days we live and days no longer real. Phosphorus infects the air. Seems the world is standing there. White
4: phosphorus infects the
3: air. These words don't have to mean anything. I wrote this while waiting through Debris. A poser, a method actor, a sleepwalker, I had become everything. A tug of war between who I am and who I want to be. In front of me. Why don't why you? you? Don't look at me like I'm crazy. I've come to realize that the words don't matter at all. It is the act itself. The sound, to the scream, to fill the air, is to exist. To have a voice. Speak, sing, the feel our voices break. Voices break. The void between the words and me. the meaning. The lies in between? between.
0: I don't know if I asked you already, but what what did you come into the end of, like, out of it? When you come out of the other end, what was the...
1: The... I mean, the decision is to not disassociate, for sure. Okay. It's, to, it's to to stay in, but in for the right reasons. I don't know if I said mm-hmm. this when we were talking about it earlier, but that's the key. Is like, like, why are you doing this? Are you doing this out of trauma and guilt? Or are you doing it because it's the right thing to do? And I think that particularly for like middle eastern youth there's this sense of like you have to be this like lifelong revolutionary and this has to be your whole life because of an accident of birth because you're muslim because of this whatever uh so that you know the it's not something you chose to be passionate about it's something that like you kind of fell into and there's this sense of obligation but at the same time, we should be doing that. It just, it has to be done the right way for the right reasons. That's the important thing. That's what matters is, uh, I don't want to keep tangentializing. No,
0: I, I love the tangents. I'm like, it's great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. It's
1: like the more I talk, the less clear. Like a lot of these things are very nuanced. And I think that like multiple truths can coexist for a lot of this. And mm-hmm. that's why it's, it can be hard to explain.
0: Yeah. In that sense, seeing the world in a grayscale is probably better. Probably. <laughs> Points are made. There you- <laughs> yeah. Um, can you just write my lyrics? <laughs> I literally, but I tell you, I wrote all your lyrics down. I sat there and I, was, I transcribed it. That's so,
1: I, I just, I, I can't listen to that song. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm I'm flattered you did. I'm just like, how do people listen to this song? <laughs> like, I remember I showed my brother that song for the first time and he just started weeping because he knew what I was talking about. And he's like, I can't listen to that. Like, he still can't listen to it. I can't listen to it. Really? I don't think a lot of people have listened to that one or made it to the end of the album. <laughs> so it's like, that that one's weird. It's still raw for sure.
0: That's really interesting. Okay. Do you feel anything now that I'm reading it? Is it other than like embarrassment? More so embarrassment. Like I'm okay. I'm good.
1: <laughs> okay. You okay. can embarrass me though, put me through the ringer. It's your show. I will.
0: And then the next um, okay, I won't go line by line through every line, but the one I the next one I wanted to do since it kind of is relevant to I guess your work outside of Bilal, um, it's forget my friends on are always on my side and then because you know Tell your friends you love them. Is there a connection to that? I was like, I don't know, what parallels? I wrote this
1: before. This was before I started playing with Talking Violet, and I think this was before I even knew the name of Tell Your Friends You Love Them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a synchronicity, like the fact that you know, I spend so much time with Talking Violet, and they're my like, they're not even my friends, like, no, they're they're my family, you know, in a huge way. So, I think just like all of our shared experiences and shared influences, and Mm -hmm. we're often going through similar things at a similar time. Like, there's bound to be some overlap for sure. Like, we're both writing new albums, so that's also weird.
0: Oh, at the same time, yeah. It's like I'm writing stuff
1: with them, I'm writing stuff for myself. It's crazy year so far, honestly. Like, I have to write music every single day. It's overwhelming. It's exhausting. I'm ranting again. But... Are
0: you okay? Yeah.
1: No, it's good. I'm just burnt out.
0: <laughs> it just sounds tiring. It sounds really tiring.
1: I love it, though. It, it, I'm burnt out from it, but it... I don't know. It gives me a reason to wake up in the morning, for sure. It um. There's going to be some synchronicities, I think, again. Just based on the circumstances we're in and, you know, writing albums based on that. Anyway, sorry, I don't mean to no, no, go I'm too like, far from in between. But
0: When you say, like, words don't matter at all, to fill the air is to exist, to have a voice. Do you find a lot of your existence, like, it has to be external for it to... Let me just preface this first. A lot of times I kind of prefer the existence of, like, I no one knows I exist outside of these four walls. Like, I can go and remove myself and then I will, like... I feel like I'm removing myself from the conscious of people and like I don't even have to hear my voice I don't want to hear anything like I just the least existence the less space I take up the more comfortable I feel or the better I feel and it almost seems like here when you describe like you know to fill the is to exist that you're saying like you know it has to be like external or like outside of yourself and and I'm not sure if it makes if that's like what as a conclusion you came to at the end of that song or at the end of writing it or whatever you're going through. But...
1: Yeah, no, that's... I see what you're saying for sure. And I think that's, like, the other end of it is, like, mm-hmm. do you need to interact? Um In terms of that, I think it's just, like, kind of goes full circle to the, the... what this album, I think, meant for me as a whole, which is, like... To actually have my own voice and have the courage mm-hmm. to speak out loud. Like I said, like I, you know, I had zero courage to put anything out for so much of my life. And it something I always wanted to do. And, you know, this is the last song in the record. It's kind of looking back on all of it. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a big part of it for me is like I had to take up space and just not worry about whether it was good or not and just like do it.
0: Yeah. Well, the world is better off now that you put your music out.
1: I don't know and about that.
0: Here, my personal life is better out. Better that, now that you put the music out. Appreciate, appreciate you. Shout out to my 21 monthly listeners. <laughs> 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 We're here. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I know. Um, and, and I think that's a great place to end off, at least. That's all I really had to ask you. Thank you so much for, for having me. This was honestly
1: really cool. It's, it's nice to no, it was, get to talk about this. I really
0: appreciated it. Once again, a huge thank you to Bilal for joining me on today's episode. Nothing but love, respect, and admiration for him as a musician and an all-around awesome human. If you are as much of a fan of his music as I am, be sure to check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify streaming as well. And Instagram, we'll make sure to tag him. But that's it for me. I hope you have a great afternoon, evening, or good night, whenever you hear this. My name is Wiazhu. This has been Absent Sounds. And I'll catch you next week. Bye.